0: to the Cinefessions podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Chown, and joining me this time are two other co-hosts. I have Ash Collins here, who is normally a uh, video game critic for Die Hard Game Fan, and I also have Chris Ranson, who also contributes to Cinefessions. Both these guys do. You probably have seen a few of their reviews up recently, and starting this year, they really have decided to jump on board the Cinefessions train, which I'm really happy about. So thank you guys for joining me.
1: No problem. Yeah, you're welcome.
0: All right. Just to mention, Ash actually had two reviews that just went up. One went up today and one's going up tomorrow. Uh, Recently reviewed The Wolverine, which you can find at cinefessions.com right now. And then tomorrow, uh, which we're recording this on Wednesday, July 31st. So tomorrow, Thursday, the 1st of August, you can find the Pacific Rim review from Ash. So be sure to check those out. Alright, so this is a, a new podcast for us. Um, we're not sure if this is going to be something that we're going to do you know, all the time, once a month, ever again. It's just kind of for fun at this point to see how things go and see where, uh, see where it takes us. So, with that, we're just going to jump into it here. Ash, have you been watching any, anything recently, or reading, or playing anything that you wanted to talk about?
1: Well, I've been uh, playing Shadowrun Returns. That just came out last week. Pretty good interpretation. It's kind of a mix of Shadowrun tabletop versions two and three in video game form and a sequel to the genesis and snes versions of the game which is kind of cool and you can edit your own levels and stuff which i thought was kind of neat i've been watching two anime uh, natsume's book of friends volume four which is the last volume in the series that nis america is releasing which was pretty good the series was pretty decent and they actually got to wrap it up which is cool and uh, Hana, I'm going to say this terribly, but Hana Saku Oroha, uh, Blossoms for Tomorrow, got the second half of the show. Uh, they released it in two volumes. Uh, the second half has the last 13 episodes. And that one was pretty good. A little bit of a tearjerker at the end, but that one's kind of a slice of life anime uh, set at a uh, an inn out in the middle of nowhere, kind of. And uh, that was kind of cool. Other than that, I haven't been watching a whole
0: lot. Shadowrun. Like, my only experience with Shadowrun is the 360 version. Like, I played the demo for it or whatever. How does... Because I know that the Shadowrun and the 360 was like a multiplayer-only game, right? Yeah. Okay, so how does this new one... How Like, is this more like the SNES version?
1: Yes, uh, this is. It's an isometric top-down kind of view. I'm not necessarily top-down. Your, it's more of a traditional strategy RPG. Uh, think XCOM. Actually, the new XCOM that just came out. Okay, yeah. play it. plays a lot like that. The combat's turn-based. Uh, you have like a couple people usually with you, and you order them behind cover, and you take turns, and you build up your character that way. It's uh, pretty much a tactical RPG, and it is. It's pretty good, especially for the price. it's only like 20 bucks on Steam.
0: oh nice and that do you know if that's ever coming out to like Xbox Live Arcade or anything or is it strictly gonna be PC?
1: right now it's PC. Uh, they have an Android and an iOS version in progress, but they haven't really said whether they're going to do like a console version or not.
2: Oh okay, awesome. What about you, Chris? Uh, I haven't played Megami Tensei 4 on the 3ds
0: Yes, you keep trying to sell me on it <laughs> yes,
2: you get it it's good. It was a little hard at first. I had trouble getting into it despite being a fan of the series, but once I was in, I play a couple hours a day. I don't get a lot of downtime, so. One of the main
0: reasons I've kind of like decided not to get it is at work, one of my employees, he played it and said that, you know, he was playing for like a couple hours and then he died and he had to basically start all over again. And so that turns me off because I'm terrible at video games.
2: Well, it doesn't really work like that, actually. If you actually die, you can use your play coins from like walking around or you can use actual mecha in-game money to revive yourself right where you were.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. And even if you don't have the money, it allows you to revive anyways. And then once you get the money, it takes it away from you. Oh, so. so it's
0: like on loan, basically. Yeah. I did buy Fire Emblem. That's that's what I was going to talk about because I just got the 3DS along with Ash. Thanks to Ash for pointing out the awesome deal at Best Buy. So we got, I got it for like 175 bucks shipped. So I was very happy with that. But so I did pick up Fire Emblem. Um, but I haven't gotten uh, SMT4
2: yet. Fire Emblem's good though.
0: That's what I heard. I think I watched somebody play it. or I saw a gameplay video of it or something, and it looked awesome. So
2: yeah, you might want to stick with the easiest setting. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think normal. Like someone dies and they don't come back ever. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs>
0: Have you been watching anything or reading anything at all?
2: I've been watching Orange is the New Black on Netflix. It's actually pretty good. It started a little slow, but the characters are really fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, what was the name of that show that you started watching recently? You said it was like um, Big Bang Theory for horror fans.
2: Oh, Holliston. Holliston. Yeah, I think it's from Adam Green. It's really good. The second season's currently airing on fear.net. I think they have, like, the latest episode is always free to watch. And I think it's all on Hulu as well.
0: Is it Hulu Plus or free Hulu? I
2: think just free Hulu. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I bought the Blu-ray set. It was, like, 20 bucks on Amazon. Oh, that's it? Yeah. I mean, it's 10, like, 45-minute episodes.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, like I mentioned, uh, you know, I just bought the 3DS, so that's what I've been playing most recently. I've only played uh, Super Mario 3D Land so far, but it's it's pretty great. Like, the, the 3D's fine, but... I don't know, my girlfriend was making fun of me because she thought the 3D wasn't very good, which, you know, it's okay, but that's not the reason I bought the 3DS. I didn't buy it for the 3D, I bought it for the games, and uh, Super Mario 3D Land has just like awesome level design, so I think it's it's just a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, some of the later levels have really good 3D effects. Oh, really? you have to Yeah, it helps a lot, even having the 3D on with some oh, okay. of the platforming they introduce.
0: Um. Yeah, there were some new elements, like last night, after I got home from work, I was playing it, and there was like this, this block with like a wing on it, and you jump in it. And then, like, the, you hold down the A button or whatever, and it, like, spins you up in the air. I thought that was really neat. I don't know. <laughs> no, unlike anything I've ever seen in, in Mario, so that was fun. But I also bought uh, Metal Gear Solid 3D today. I found it at one of my local GameStop, so I'm hoping to start playing that one soon, too.
2: Have you actually played that Metal Gear Solid before or no?
0: Yeah, I played it on PS2, like, back when it first came out, but I haven't, I haven't played it since then. Yeah,
2: it's a great game.
0: Yeah, I heard that this is, like, the definitive version of it, so we'll see. As people who follow me on Twitter probably know, i also been playing the hell out of uh, NCAA Football 14 for the 360. I know you guys aren't really uh, sports gamers at all, but that's pretty much, when I'm playing a video game, it's generally going to be a sports video game. And so I'm now into my second season as the offensive coordinator at WVU, and so I'm hoping that this is going to be my national title year. So playing that a lot, which is a lot of fun. And something I've been watching recently, uh, I watched uh, The Vow yesterday with Channing Tatum and Rachel McAdams, and... I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it, because I wasn't expecting to at all. It actually kind of turned it on on a whim. My girlfriend was watching it, and I happened to walk into the room at the beginning of it, and so I just kind of sat there and watched it. But it was it was a pretty good movie. It's about these, uh, this married couple who's played by Channing Tatum and, and Rachel McAdams, and there's an accident at the beginning of the movie, and Rachel McAdams' character gets amnesia, and she can't remember her life with Channing Tatum at all. All she can remember is having this solid relationship with her family and being engaged to her what is now her ex-boyfriend and so she doesn't remember Channing Tatum at all and so basically it's Channing Tatum trying to make his wife fall back in love with him you know it's a typical predictable story but I like the characters and I thought Channing Tatum and Rachel McAdams were, were really good in that so I enjoyed it for what it was but that's pretty much what we've been consuming lately. If anybody has any recommendations on things that we need to be watching that we're missing out on, you know, definitely let us know and we will try to talk about those in the next episode if we ever have a next episode or via review, however we want to do it.
2: Good morning, sunshine. sunshine. Nice. little bit. Where's the money? Money. Money. For what? You know, know. what? <laughs> All I know is I'm not going to sit here another day. It's been how are we going to get enough money? I don't know. Time? Are the only ones still here?
0: Spring break. I'm tired of seeing the same thing. Spring break. your chance to see something different. Uh, Spring break. Just get that cash. Out. Pretend like it's a video game. We can do this. Spring break.
2: are a magic place,
1: you you can change who you are you all and big booties you
0: that's what life is about. So the reason that we are actually podcasting today. what brought us together was the fact that all three of us happened to watch Spring Breakers and decided that it was interesting enough to talk about. And so because of that, we decided to do a Spring Breakers review and so that's what this podcast is is really all about. Spring Breakers is from Harmony Corrine. It's about these uh, four college girls who are trying to get money to go on spring break. Essentially, you know, their whole school is leaving and and they're sick of being there. And so they want to go on spring break. And so they do some deeds to go on to get the money to go on spring break. And then they're on spring break. Things happen yada, yada, yada. I don't want to give away uh, too much to start. We are going to do a two-part review. The first part will be spoiler-free, so if you haven't seen the movie, you can listen along, and then we're going to uh, jump into a spoiler section of the review where we'll talk about pretty much the entire thing. I think that'll be the best way to go about it. So, Who wants to start? Somebody jump in, talk about Spring Breakers. What were your thoughts?
1: I think it was, it was an interesting take on that. I liked kind of the... I don't want to say Tarantino-esque because it wasn't Tarantino-esque uh, way that they told the movie because it is not all in a straight linear path. They jump around a little bit, but it's never, you know, oh, we're going to do the beginning at the end and the end at the beginning or anything like that. But a lot of it is very visual, and I liked that. It wasn't a lot of incessant talking dialogue for dialogue's sake. When they do have dialogue, it's usually important and it's something that's going on. It was an interesting way to do that i thought
0: and that's something i made note of as i was uh, you know watching the movie a third time it's definitely a visually driven film the images are really what's telling the story there which is you know the mark of any interesting film in my opinion and then you're talking about you know you compared it to tarantino ask a little bit i think that's a really interesting point another thing i, I made mention of in my reviewing of it was how they had these little moments where it'll kind of jump ahead maybe 30 seconds later to what we're going to see 30 seconds later in the film. And then it'll kind of it'll tie into that that little 30 second foreshadowing that it does. But it'll be a real quick moment. I thought that was really cool.
2: Yeah, I really like all the use of colors and just the I don't know, just entertaining visually the entire time, despite whatever else was going on. I don't know, I actually watched it in the theater, and then I watched it twice in 24 hours. I did the commentary track, and I watched it without it.
0: Yeah, I like how Corrine, like, he finds these neon colors. It starts right at the beginning of the movie and goes throughout the entire thing. I, I want to know how he how he did some of those shots, especially at the end. The house that they walk up to toward the end of the film is just lit in this, this bright neon color. It's like a neon blue or neon pink. But I thought that was just just awesome.
2: That was my problem with the commentary. He doesn't really, he doesn't divulge anything really. He mentions a few little key scenes and then just repeats himself about how everything was iconic. (laughs) It was kind of a boring commentary, really. Just a few little bits and pieces were interesting. The rest of it was just kind of dead space, him smoking, (laughs) (laughs) that's about it.
0: (laughs) okay what other special features were on there you mentioned something about a deleted scene right
2: yeah there there was one deleted scene involving the girls meeting this guy on the street that was kind of amusing but i can see why they cut it it didn't quite fit yeah
0: the other thing i really liked about the movie was the use of licensed music which obviously there's you know a pivotal scene in the movie where licensed music plays plays a major part in it and chris you were kind of talking about you know that's Kind of the moment where you're either gonna love the movie or hate the movie. Um, you're either gonna jump on and go with it or you're gonna, it's gonna be too much for you. And I think the film itself is very divisive in that. You'll see, you'll hear a lot of people talking about how it's one of the best films released in 2013 so far. And you'll have other people saying that it is just junk, self indulgent, and nonsensical.
1: See, I didn't think it was self-indulgent or uh, or nonsensical. I mean, there's a a definite direction with it and a definite feel to it. I mean, there was a point that they were trying to get to. You know, it a story that they were trying to tell. It wasn't like, oh, we're just doing this just to show a bunch of stuff. I mean, some of the shots were a little gratuitous, but it fits with the spring break theme. It wasn't a r- random collection of stuff just for the hell of having a boob shot here or you know guys drinking there. It was you know there was a point to it.
0: Mm-hmm. So one moment from the movie that I really enjoyed, one scene in particular, was when these girls, they decide to rob the chicken shack. There's a couple of visual moments right before that, before they actually go do the robbery that stand out with the, like, orange and red background with the rain coming down, and then you just see the silhouette of the three girls. The the framing and the lighting, it, it was just perfect. But that leads into this moment where they actually rob the, rob the chicken shack, and Corrine puts the camera in the passenger seat. And so as the viewer you're kind of sitting along for the ride basically you're in the passenger seat and it's one long take and uh, the driver drives around the building and looks looks in you know through the door looks through the windows and eventually gets to the back door and you know the girls come flying out but it's just this one long take and i thought it was a really strong choice because it puts us into that into that moment into the into the crime scene essentially, and I thought that was really cool.
2: Yeah, I really like that scene too, and I like later on when you see what happened inside as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. It gives I love you the two different back.
2: perspectives mm-hmm. of it because it looks drastically different when you compare the two.
0: Definitely, when you're when you're kind of outside watching it, it's almost it's just. It's not peaceful, but it almost is peaceful. As As you're driving around, it's just this serene moment, basically. It's quiet. It's in the distance. And then when they show you later on of actually inside, it's just this hectic, chaotic, loud, brash, violent moment.
1: I think, too, um, the way they framed them recapping what happened inside, I think that's heightened by the moment they chose to divulge what happened, too. If I remember it, it was at a a party where they were trying to tell uh, everyone what happened inside, and there's a lot of chaos, a lot of noise going on. I think maybe that would have—it enhances the story of what they're telling, and it's all visual. It was an interesting moment, and yeah, like like, uh, Chris said, you know, you can't— I think, I think if they hadn't done the long take, if we had cut back and forth, I don't think it would have been nearly as effective as them going back and just kind of revisiting the moment later.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of long takes. I feel like there's nothing stronger in a film than a long take, and this one uh, really stood out for me. It was just really, really interesting and really well done. So in this movie, we have, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about is the actors themselves. In this movie, we have these these four girls. We have, you know, Selena Gomez, Ashley Benson, Vanessa Hudgens, and Rachel Corrine. Now, the only one of those girls who was not on either Nickelodeon or Disney was Rachel Corrine, who is actually uh, Harmony Corrine's the director's wife. So, you have uh, Selena Gomez, who's known as, as Justin Bieber's girlfriend, known for all her, um... Ex, ex-girl. Ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend, <laughs> sorry. That's I a very, that very important distinction
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> there. Um... But she's known for you know her time on on Disney and for her that clean character that she always plays. Um, and and same with Vanessa Hudgens and then Ashley Benson. She was on Nickelodeon, but she is really known now for her for her role in Gossip Girl. And I also read that what's her name Emma Roberts was supposed to be one of these characters in the movie, but turned it down because there was quote unquote artistic differences. So I thought that was interesting. But there's there I feel like there's something to talk about with these these three Nickelodeon slash Disney characters taking on such different roles.
2: Well, I don't I don't think it was really all that different because I mean Selena's character is still kind of innocent, and I know she's trying to break out a little more. I see she has a new movie coming out called The Getaway. Mm-hmm. Looks amusing, but. Uh, <laughs> She had a body double for any questionable scene in the movie. I don't know if you guys knew that, but
0: oh, I didn't know that. Okay,
2: no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah that's not really her. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Honestly, they're
1: playing, they're playing almost the same stereotypes. It's just they're going in a very different direction with it. Almost. They're going for the good girls gone bad type of thing as opposed to, you know, good girls do something bad and then make up for it later in like a TV episode or something. But <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting, interesting role from like Chris had though. I think Selena's, it's a lot of the same role for Selena, but it's a more, adult film for her to be in with that role i think so that helps a little bit but i don't know it'll be interesting to see what she does next
0: right like chris was talking about getaway with ethan hawk another like you like you said another adult adult film for her to be in and so i think you know it's kind of just the natural progression of these these actresses but do you think knowing what we know of these girls coming in, how does that, if at all, play on our interpretation of the film at all or how we view the film?
2: I think it plays a huge part into it because, I mean, Vanessa Hudgens started out as that squeaky clean high school musical girl hmm. who then had some racy pictures come out and right. has definitely gone with the sex, sex appeal with Sucker Punch. I mean, mm-hmm. r- right there, she played very sexy. Um, oh,
1: that's where I know her from.
2: not high school musical no 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 Sucker Punch that was my first experience with her so yeah
1: I'm a little old for for the Nick shows I think and Mm -hmm. my when my son was watching, he wasn't into Nickelodeon, he was more into regular cartoons, so I kind of missed out on the teen, <laughs> teen drama stuff. I,
2: I don't know the other two girls very well, but the one is from Pretty Little Liars. And Oh, is that kinda, what it is? Not
0: Gossip Girl, Pretty Little Liars?
2: Yeah, I don't know if she was on Gossip Girl, I never watched it, but okay. she's on Pretty Little Liars. And I think they each take their previous role and kind of, you can see where they advance in this plotline as well. Mm-hmm. I don't want to reveal too much, but... right.
0: And then, continuing with the actors, uh, James Franco, I think his character is, well, I say that, but this is just me and my buddy talking at work, Um, he hated... The movie and it was mostly because he hated James Franco's character but personally <laughs> I thought James Franco did an excellent job I thought he was more amusing in this than virtually anything I've seen him in in recent roles
2: I'm, I'm really not a fan of him in a normal movie like mm-hmm. I thought Oz great and powerful he was overacting
0: right yeah I remember you had that complaint I, I didn't mind him in Oz at all but I see I see what you were saying there definitely
2: Right. But in this, he just kind of becomes that character. It doesn't really look like him. And according to the commentary, they spend a year going over the character, going over the dialogue, everything like that, trying to just make it its own.
0: And I heard that it was based off of there's a guy who's standing next to him when, when Alien is first introduced at, in the, um, at the beach when he's singing. There's a guy standing next to him in dreadlocks, and that's apparently who the character is based off of.
2: Yeah, I think he appears later on in the movie, too.
0: Yeah, he does when the girls are like playing pool.
1: My initial reaction was like, that's James Franco? <laughs> no, but uh, he grew on me as the movie went. I think as he tries to endear himself to the girls, he sold me more on it. But at first I was like, wow, he's terrible in this. <laughs> but it, he grew he grew on me as he went. But honestly, I think my favorite James Franco movie of recent years was probably uh, Your Highness, where he plays the good brother uh, of all things. And, and so, it, you know, and of course I know him from Spider-Man, but, you know, mm-hmm. it was just kind of like... I don't know it was just at first i was like i couldn't dissociate him but as he as you got to into his character a little more i kind of grew to i liked him in the role so but yeah you're right he is pretty funny in this
0: yeah i think uh, most of the humor for me stems from his character i feel like he i feel like his character as a person didn't take himself too seriously all the time and i think that's what james frank was able to find that really just made the made the character endearing for me but if we're talking about James Franco, his roles that I really enjoy him in, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes has to stand on top for me. Oh yeah, I thought he was great in that. Yeah. I just love that movie. I can't wait for the next one. But
2: I have to agree with that one. I really enjoyed that movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did like him in that too. Yeah, that I was really actually quite worried when they announced that they were doing a prequel. I was like, <laughs> God no! But yeah, I actually really like that one. I'm kind of curious what they're gonna do with it next. Yeah.
2: I don't know.
0: Okay, so now we're going to jump into spoiler territory. So at this point, basically, any of us are free to talk about any aspect of the film, beginning, middle, and end, doesn't matter. At this point, people who are listening, either one, you don't care about having the movie spoiled for you, or 2 who you've already seen the movie. So does anyone have any thoughts that they want to share about the ending, anything like that?
1: I really liked the the juxtaposition of them calling their parents <laughs> at the end of the film over the top of them going in and slaughtering everyone in the house mm-hmm. it was just it was just like oh we had a great time we met some nice people blam 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 <laughs> it's like wow that just kind of blew me away it was that was like the uh the i am kaiser soze moment from the usual suspects for me it was like <laughs> holy crap but yeah that i really like that
2: yeah i like that about the movie it, it does a lot of stuff like that it carries over something soft and mellow over more graphic or violent moments that that was a good scene actually cuz even rewatching it it's all kind of slow paced kind of just it's almost calm despite it being super violent
0: right and that's i mean juxtaposition is you know, a word that just always keeps popping up whenever I'm thinking of like certain scenes in this movie, and that kind of brings us to that, you know, that pivotal uh, scene there. It might, it may only be pivotal for for me and Chris, and maybe Ash. I don't know, but um, the the piano scene where Alien starts playing Britney Spears on the piano, and then it goes into this slow motion, violent act of them robbing these spring breakers Uh, again the juxtaposition there is is awesome and i love when i love when movies do that and i think this movie does it better than than a lot i've seen recently
1: the scene that actually kind of sealed me liking this movie was actually selena gomez begging them to go with her because she knows something bad is gonna happen and the way they did her talking to the friends coupled and split with her talking to alien and that, that all kind of blending together, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this movie's got something now. This isn't going to be just a, Oh, he corrupts the young girls type of film. This is actually going to be, there's going to be some meat to this. And that, that one along with the Britney Spears one really sealed the movie as something that I actually kind of, you know, it went from, Oh, okay. This is interesting too. They've got something here. Right.
0: I, I remember it was Geek Couch on Twitter. He was watching them. I think, I believe it was anyway. He was watching the movie for the first time and, you know, he was tweeting it because he was watching it at home. And at one point, his, t- his tweet was something along the lines of, oh boy, this just isn't going to end well. And, you know, that's kind of where. It, that Selena that that moment there where Selena Gomez is trying to beg them to go with them I think is a moment where you're kind of like something something is going to happen in this movie that will be memorable
2: well I, I we keep talking about the Britney Spears scene but there's actually two and both actually are like the game changers they're the first time we see how the girls really are you know it starts off with hit me baby one more time mm-hmm. you know something slow simple upbeat and it divulges into that robbing of the chicken shack right and and actually, from there, we actually lose a girl. Then we have the other Britney Spears song. I don't remember what it's called offhand. But it's slow, and it's kind of showing the relationship that's building. And It has like a little darker undertone to the lyrics. But then again, we lose a girl right after it. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what he was going with it, but it seems to have kind of that sweet and innocent gone bad. And I think that's what the whole film is about, yeah. It's just these girls. Because obviously, two of them were the bad girls. You know, they didn't leave. They continued to do. And, you know, they could have quit as soon as they hit that mansion. And that first shot's fired and he's taken out. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have just stopped, said, hey, ran screaming. But they B- were badass.
0: Right. What happens is that they don't even slow down. They literally don't stop a second and just keep going and, and continue this this brutal killing spree. And then on the way out, they kiss him. Like, it's <laughs> it's something else.
1: I think that was yeah the, the only time they stopped was to make sure that the guy, the head honcho in the bathtub knew what was going to happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, he's like, Hey baby. They just like, yeah, you're going to (laughs) die. It's like, Oh hell. But yeah, that, that, and, um, when alien is trying to seduce the two of them in his bedroom, uh, at one point and they actually like get alien, They pull guns on him and get him down on his knees and basically are like, you know, basically making him make out to the guns. And that that was it's like, wow, these girls are really messed up right now. But, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting, especially when it dawned on Alien that they weren't actually going to shoot him and they were getting off on it. Mm -hmm. That that yeah, that was interesting scene right there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I was reading that that was a, actually that moment with the gun where he essentially fellates the gun. That was an improvised moment on set by, by Franco. And I think that, uh, like I was mentioning earlier, how just he has this, this knowing sense of humor about him and about, and about the character that he found that re- works really well. Another thing Corrine is able to manage with the movie is separating how he separates. You know, there's these two these two girls, these two bad girls that we you know we find out as the movie progresses that are genuinely these badasses. Essentially, they those two are kind of always together when they're at the party, when they're you know in the pool, wherever they're always together. And then there are these these two other characters, you know, Faith, which is uh, Selena Gomez, and then Kat Corrine's wife, and those two are always kind of separate. Faith is always off generally off she's making phone calls to her grandma to her mom whatever and so not only separating these girls by who they are but also visually separating them which is you know essential for good filmmaking And so I was able to believe the fact that these two girls are, you know, going to basically get into this menage a trois relationship with with Alien that helped me buy it, essentially.
1: Yeah, that was it was interesting. I think it was a little faith was a bad choice for her name. (laughs) (laughs) A little on the head. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's that's a little too on point there driving that home. I think they could have picked something a little less for that, but, yeah. I, I Visually, them being separated a lot, uh, especially when, like, you, you know you mentioned that early on in the movie, they, the three of them rob him without fate there, and, and right there, that's already separating her off, and then, you know, she doesn't find out about it till later, so, you know, it's kind of like, hmm, you know, it, yeah, it's it was a little interesting the way they, they filmed it. Even a little bit, I think, in the jail cells a little bit, they have them split off that way, too, I think. Now that I'm thinking about it.
0: Any final thoughts? Let's wrap up our review here of Spring Breakers. Any, any final thoughts? You want to give it a star rating? We'll use our Cinefession star rating of one to four. Any final thoughts at all?
2: Well, I- I've seen a number of movies this year, and it's been a pretty bleak year for movies. Yeah. But uh, I'd say it's probably in my top five right now. There's a few I still need to go see, and a lot of indie stuff it's hitting now. That looks really good. I'd probably give it a solid three and a half stars.
1: Very
0: good, yeah. Uh, what about you, Ash?
1: Yeah, I'd have to go with a three, three and a half. It wasn't perfect. I think there was a few scenes that were paced a little weird for me, but I mean, for the most part, it was really solid. I really liked it. So, yeah, I mean, despite the weirdness, and I like weird, so, yeah, I'd give it a three and a half.
0: Yeah, you know, on some podcasts, the best discussions are when, you know, the film is divisive between the, the podcasters. But in this situation, uh, I really enjoyed it as well. I keep a, an Excel document with every movie I watch, and I give everyone a rating. And this one I gave uh, four stars. I, I really enjoyed it. And what I like most about it is the fact that I can go back and watch it three times in a week span and still find new moments that I really enjoy because the visuals are so stunning. So I gave it four stars, and, you know, it was definitely one that I, I highly recommend. Yowin.
1: Sometimes i video be and playing play back in slow
0: motion, cause I'm hanging with the dope boys, hangin' with the dope boys, boy, my boy. motherfuckin' wrist go ham, ham, hangin' with the dope boys, hangin' with the dope boys, look at my wrist, god damn. Final segment here of the show today is going to be um, kind of a take on the Once Upon an Instant Cue that I did on my uh, solo podcast, but it's going to be a Once Upon a Random Cue. So this is an idea that I uh, got when I was listening to the Film Spotting SVU podcast. You know, it's something that, that those co-hosts do for each other uh, every, every show, and I thought it was really interesting, and I thought it'd be a, a fun thing to do here. Uh, So what we did here is I gave Ash a random number, Ash gave Chris a random number, and Chris gave me a random number, um, and that number represented a movie on our instant queue. And so all we had to do was watch whatever movie that was that that number fell on. So since I gave Ash a number, go ahead and what was your pick this week?
1: You gave me Hunger Games, which I had only watched once before. I hadn't actually watched in the theater. I actually got it on Netflix, and I was like mildly interested in it, and I wasn't interested enough to go see it in the theater, which has changed since we watched the movie, where actually we've got all three of the books, and we're going to be going to see the next three films when they come <laughs> out. Um, but I actually really liked it. It was not a complete ripoff of Battle Royale, which I thought it was going to be. They, uh, they managed to actually do something new with the concept of taking people and making them battle it out for their lives in an arena type of thing and actually putting some new spins on it, which, and, you know, and spins that actually say something. I thought Jennifer Lawrence was fantastic in it. I think the changes that they made from the book to the film, because the book follows Katniss pretty much it's just her point of view. You don't, you don't get anybody else's point of view. So I thought them showing more of what's going on behind the scenes and not just through Katniss's point of view kind of gives the, uh, the viewer a more rounded experience of what's going on in the world. Because a lot of what Katniss talks about in the book is, through her mind, so you're getting the same information visually, which works much better for the film. But yeah, it's definitely, it was definitely one of those movies that I absolutely loved, and I'm glad that I uh, took the time to watch it. So it was fun to watch again.
0: I loved Hunger Games. I didn't really know what to expect going in. I had read, like, the first maybe four or five chapters of the book, but I read them about three days before I saw the movie. My girlfriend decided she wanted to buy the book, and so there we were. But I ended up seeing this when I was on vacation in New York City. We saw it in IMAX and everything, and it was just a lot of fun. And I'm really excited for the next one.
2: Yeah, I, I loved Hunger Games. <laughs> I read the I read the books before the movie, and even the new trailer for the new movie. I mean, it spoils a lot, but I mean, it looks great.
0: I have not seen the trailer yet, and if it spoils a lot, maybe I should stay away.
1: The first trailer, the teaser trailer that they released, doesn't spoil all that much. Okay. Uh, and a and and it really kind of like it sets up. You know, ooh, I want to watch this now. <laughs> uh, the later trailers, though, spoil quite a bit, so I'd avoid mm-hmm. those. Okay. Well- That's good to know.
2: Yeah, so if you go see The Wolverine, it plays before that.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. So, Chris, what was your pick this week?
2: I ended up with, and I'm terrible with Spanish, so I'm going to butcher this, Promedeo Rojo. I randomly throw stuff into my queue, and (laughs) I was stalking an actor (laughs) after watching Aftershock, so I added all of his movies to my instant queue, and of course they're all in Spanish, so it was probably something that was going to sit there anyways and never get watched, but uh, actually it was really good. The description of it was 17-year-old geeky Roberto loves to read and draw, but his life is overturned when Christina arrives from Spain and joins his school. It's like that coming of age meets American Pie, but they go full raunchy with it. It's not visually raunchy, but like the dialogue is hysterical. It doesn't go where you think it's going to go. It doesn't follow like the typical little plotline. I actually really enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, I've never heard of it, obviously. I remember you were talking about pu- talking about that actor when you first saw him in the movie, but I still haven't, I haven't seen Aftershock or any of his other movies yet.
2: Well, Aftershock comes out Tuesday on DVD. Oh, really? Know. Okay.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So my pick, I had number 314, um, and so it was toward the bottom of my list. Like Chris, I like to add things randomly to my queue. Um, I I like to make lists a lot too, and so I was making like a list of all these asylum movies, and I was adding a bunch (laughs) of yeah, yeah. And so I was adding a bunch of them to my queue. Unfortunately, and uh, this one was the 2005 film Alien Abduction. (laughs) So basically, this is an asylum film before asylum films were fun. Is how I like to uh, look at it. At least, you know, this definitely isn't Sharknado or Titanic Two or anything like that. So this one is from Eric Forsberg. Uh, he did Mega Piranha and Sexpot. So you probably don't know him too well, but Alien Abduction tells the story of these four people who are abducted by an alien spaceship of some sort. So they're brought aboard the mothership, and then they wake up and decide that they want to get off or want to search the ship. And so they walk down this hall, which is about as stereotypical bad alien spaceship design as you can have, and... Uh, all of a sudden, they're followed by this this alien, and they black out. And so the next scene opens up with the main character who we're going to follow for the rest of the movie, Jean. She wakes up and then realizes that everything's not as it seems, basically. And so she is like the specialized military camp, um, which is clearly for people who've been du- abducted by aliens. And so she's trying to get out, basically. What follows the movie kind of turns into a government conspiracy movie as opposed to an alien abduction movie and just gets really boring. There is just not very much good about the movie. She's walking around topless for part of it, which is kind of fun, but and there's really good special effects. I don't know how on the incredibly low budget they had as gross of special effects as they did, but they did those pretty well. But it's it's just not it's not a fun movie at all. It's really, really slow. There's this like attempt at a twist at the end of it, which you know, you may or may not see coming. Um, I didn't, but it's because I wasn't very invested in the film, and I just wanted it to end. But it doesn't work at all. It's just this this silly, easy, lame twist. I was surprised by an asylum film that I watched earlier in the year called The Killers from, like, 97 or something. So it was a really early asylum film. I think it was actually their first, which is why I watched it first, because I was going to go through all the asylum films, which never happened and won't happen. But The Killers was really good, and I was really good. It was good for an asylum film, and uh, this one... Just was really boring, and I was really disappointed with it. Yeah, so I unfortunately did not get a very good pick this week, but that's what the random cues for. I think I'm gonna go through and uh, edit my queue if we ever decide to do this again just so I don't get stuck with such a bad one. But
1: I'd go ahead and remove forty days and nights if you have that on your list. I know that's an asylum movie and I watched it for the June competition. It is terrible. <laughs> it is. It, 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 seriously. Go watch 2012. Mm-hmm. Even if you've seen it already, and no matter how terrible or how much you like 2012, it is the exact same movie only without any talent.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. Uh, I remember seeing that cover at work. It, w- it was quite popular. But we get a lot of uh, asylum movies that everyone rents out and then complains about afterwards. But yeah, that's how it goes. All right. So that was our random picks for this week. Well, that was fun. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Um, Hopefully you
2: guys had some fun. I was. It was a lot of fun. Cool. So, uh, Chris, where else can we find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter as Wolverine Factor. I have private tweet, but just send a friend request or whatever it is and I'll accept.
0: Awesome. And Ash, what about you? Where else can we find you online?
1: d-h-g-f-ash-a-s-h-e on twitter uh i write uh for Die Hard game fan it's spelled just like that one sound.com uh just do game reviews there occasionally write a column for uh mmos but i've been kind of on a hiatus for that for a while i uh, just haven't had a lot of time right uh, but yeah those are the two places you can really find me online
0: awesome and then you can always find all three of us on uh, cinefessions.com Um, And again, make sure you check out Ash's newest reviews of The Wolverine and Pacific Rim, which, spoiler, he liked them both. So definitely check those out. All right, well, thank everyone for joining us, and we will catch you next time. (laughs) Good job. Cool. Awesome.